Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We need to be having conversations here in America and in Colorado. We need to know why we believe what we believe. And so be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and uh, sign up for my emails uh, as well. Uh, Go to AmeriChicks.com forward slash Kim, and we will get you on the list. Uh, Offering you a conservatarian perspective, I'm thrilled to have in studio with me friend and uh, sole proprietor, a small business person, an entrepreneur, uh, Sue Canfield. Welcome. Hi. Good to be here, Kim. So tell us a little bit about your business before we jump in on the real uh, serious subjects. Okay. I have a consultancy that I work with uh, human capital in the workplace, essentially helping people figure out how to get along, driving down drama and dysfunction so we can increase performance. Um, minimize turnover and basically have people have a more fulfilling experience in the workplace. Drama and dysfunction. <laughs> well, <you laughs> they know. could maybe use you in Washington <laughs> right now. Yeah, <laughs> we are complex beings as humans, and uh, we are often driven by our emotions. So I do a lot of work around emotional and behavioral intelligence, trying to help people figure out that you don't necessarily have to give yourself over to those emotions because they're generally not going to support you in a positive way. Um, it is one of the most sought-after skill sets that employers are looking for, and it's superseding technical skills at okay. this point because they're in such short supply (laughs) these days, and it doesn't matter your age group. Okay. Well, and uh, are you looking for more clients? Absolutely. I'm, you know, thrilled to help people figure it out because people spend so much time and energy getting wrapped up in things that are really uh, often have nothing to do with reality and are of so little importance, and it takes them out of the things they need to be doing to be successful and fulfilled. So I'm always happy to pitch in and help people figure out how to make that shift. Okay. Well, today I'd like to talk with you about Senate Bill 181. This is this uh, piece of legislation uh, that is down at the state house, which basically is going to shut the door on oil and gas development here in Colorado. So this first segment, I'd like to talk about what that is exactly and what you see as, as a small business person, how that might affect you. And then in the second segment, let's talk about kind of in emotional intelligence regarding uh, Senate Bill 181. So let's jump in here. Uh, this is uh, Senate Bill 19, and uh, as most of you know, If it's SB, that means it originated in the Senate. So this is SB 19, which is the year, and then the bill number, which is 181. I would encourage everybody to go out and read it so that you know what you are talking about. Instead of just relying on news articles, uh, uh, you know, make sure that you read it. Because then when you're talking with your friends and your family, you can say, I've read it. And this is really what is in there versus what is being put. Because sometimes they embellish and sometimes they leave things out. So know for yourself. So Senate Bill 181, it's uh, called concerning uh, a bill for an act concerning additional public welfare protections regarding the conduct of oil and gas operations and in connection therewith making an appropriation. So they're going to put money behind that as well. Uh, what do you think about this uh, 181? In essence, it's you know, such significant regulations that it's going to, you know, really constrict oil and gas development. It's definitely going to constrict oil, and that's the whole point of it, right? I mean, this isn't, they, they claim this is about safety and what have you, but this is, there's been a hostile environment, unfortunately, in Colorado for oil and gas, um, and we have some of the highest regulations in the state of any state there are there is in terms of um, oil and gas 
uh, exploration and development. And and so it's really striking how the way this whole thing was brought about, that it was dropped on a Friday afternoon. There was no collaboration with the industry on it whatsoever. Um, no deliberation really, uh, you know, at the under the dome either. No, it was written behind closed doors um, without any input from the industry. And that's always a red flag in my mind is, wow, what are you... What are you trying to accomplish here if you're not bringing stakeholders to the table? And I think what's important for people to remember, even if you're not a fan of oil and gas, this is going to have a ripple effect across our state that's going to impact industries that support oil and gas. Um, There was a recent story about a steel manufacturer down in um, El Paso County, I believe, and they make some pipe that gets used in the oil and gas industry. This organization was considering an expansion. And that's all been put on hold because they don't know what's going to happen with this bill. And if this bill passes, there's no incentive for that organization to expand. So in that county, they're potentially going to lose out more than likely. On new jobs? New jobs, um, tax revenue. I mean, all the economic development that comes from an organization expanding and continuing to grow. Um, You have people supporting uh, oil and gas in in healthcare, in retail, in hospitality, you know, the restaurants, uh, the tax that the taxes that come from that industry support education, healthcare, transportation. It's an enormous amount of taxes that are going to leave the state if this bill passes. Um, for me as a small business owner, I look at my clients and think, well, why would they invest in the services that I provide if they're struggling to just kind of keep things mm-hmm. going? And it's, you know, it's unfortunate that oftentimes the development of your most important asset is the one that's kicked out the door first when the economy starts to retract. And I believe the economy will retract in Colorado if this thing passes. Well, and to that point, you know, when when you get into survival mode, though, as a company, you know, you got to make sure that you keep the lights on and keep the employees that you have or you know, try to keep the employees that you have. I mean, they might even start to have to lay people off. I already know of uh, one company that is looking to leave. It's a small little company, but to leave Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're either going to go to Wyoming or they're going to go to Texas. And uh, so then what happens is you're going to start to see, I think, housing prices Decline. Oh, absolutely. As a homeowner, I'm concerned. You know, it'll hit the counties that are heavy in oil and gas first, you know, like Weld County, but it will spread across our state because there's no incentive for people to move here. This is part of a series of bills that's creating an unfriendly business environment in our state. I mean, if you have a business and you're looking to move somewhere and you're looking at what's happening in Colorado with a number of these measures that are perceived as essentially anti-business, uh, I wouldn't move my, my business here in Colorado. And so the states, and, and it's a domino effect. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. on your uh, show last week, you were talking about Tabor. and Which is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Right. They're going to have to raise taxes somehow to make up for the gap if oil and gas is restricted in our state. That, that's just math. 
and because that tax base is supporting a number of industries in our state. Once that goes away, you got to figure out how you're going to continue to support health care, education, and transportation without that money. Well, and that, you know, it's at least $600 million just for education. Yeah. You know, and so it seems to me uh, that, uh, you know, these radical progressive activists that have taken over the Democrat Party, uh, really, it's the bolder Democrats that are, have taken over the state house right now and their particular agenda, which, uh, I mean, when you look at that agenda, uh, it, it's closely related to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's new Green Deal in, in what they're really trying to push forward. And so while we think that uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez is, is so radical, uh, it's actually happening. She's just putting it, it's actually happening right here. Right. And unfortunately, the people here in Colorado are the ones that are going to experience the consequences of that. I think for me, in terms of specializing in what I do with emotional and behavioral intelligence, I, I watch how these things come about. And this is such an in-your-face approach that the Democrats have taken on this bill, in much to what we talked about before, crafting it behind closed doors, not engaging the stakeholders in terms of well, what, what do we need to be mindful of here. There's no bipartisan effort on this whatsoever for one of the largest industries that we have here in our state. And that, to me, is such an arrogant approach and one that's, you know, in your face to the voters, particularly who voted down uh, Proposition 112 because they were concerned about the very things that you and I are talking mm-hmm. about that would have happened if 112 passed. This is even worse than 112. And it's just like a big... And 112 was that piece of legislation that was presented in November, and it went down in flames. However, underlying on 112, there were people that voted um, against that, but I know that they are concerned about, you know, clean air, and and, and so I, I think we need to continue to message about the benefits of oil and gas. And also, you know, we have very strict regulations. We're, I think, one of the strictest uh, states in the nation regarding oil and gas development. And so the industry has come together. They've worked together with government. And uh, certainly, you know, these all these people that work in oil and gas, they're our neighbors. They right. want clean air and clean water as well. But what we're seeing is, I mean, there's, been, there's always going to be some give and take. Mm-hmm. And um, having reliable, efficient, uh, responsible energy is so important for the vibrant middle class, for people to be able to go out and create their businesses and go after their hopes and dreams. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I understand the uh, concerns of those in the um, environmental movement. Um, bills like this are not the answer. I mean, when we were going through this last year for Proposition 112, um, I got educated a lot about, you know, the importance of an all-above uh, energy approach. Um, wind, solar, uh, natural gas. Um, Nuclear, yeah, water, it's everything. And so this trying to eliminate... Uh, a segment, I mean, oil and gas isn't going to go away in the nation. It's just going to leave Colorado. And so while they may be trying to drive um, Governor Polis's agenda for 100% renewables um, for whatever year he wanted that to happen, um, the damage that they're going to do in the process 
Um, uh, Governor Polis could be, you know, the guy who presides over one of the worst economies that Colorado is going to experience in a very long time if this gets passed. And to John Hickenlooper's credit, um, he he worked with the oil and gas industry. You know, this this misconception, this misrepresentation when they rolled this thing out saying that our oil and gas measures hadn't been updated in over 60 years, I think they were saying, that was just a false, that's a falsehood. It's an absolute lie. And this is the challenge that I have with the way they're doing this is they're basically manipulating the voters to think something's happening or hasn't happened um, that's not correct. And they're trying to instill fear in people to get this passed. Well, that's the thing. When somebody has a habit of not telling the truth on this, and, you know, typically they have uh, the habit of not telling the truth on other things as well. And, uh, you know, it, it is, it's truly a bold faced lie. I want to go to break. When we come back, though, you mentioned wind and solar, and there is nothing that is perfect. Uh, wind and solar, they rely on um, rare earth minerals that have to be mined in typically third world countries. But Sue Kinfield, let's go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're talking about Senate Bill 181, how that affects uh, small business people. And then we're going to talk about emotional intelligence on that as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have in studio with me Sue Kinfield, good friend. Uh, she is an entrepreneur, a small business owner, and we're talking about Senate Bill 181, where, uh, Sue, you mentioned in the last segment on uh, Senate Bill 181, there wasn't any conversation going on between the proponents of it and industry and also regarding have a conversation with other legislators about it as well. Yeah, there doesn't appear. It appears there were, you know, um, a couple bill writers who crafted this bill behind closed doors. They dropped it on a Friday afternoon on people, um, stunning the industry, I think. I mean, we all knew when something was coming. Yeah, that something they were going to try to do something. But the strategy to. was closed doors. Yes. Friday afternoon. Yep. And so it showed no collaboration whatsoever, a complete disregard for a significant industry in our state that employs and impacts you know over a hundred thousand people. Um, that to me is just not a really great approach. Let's just say it's not an emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. approach. If what you're trying to get is um, to, for people to buy in. So there's this difference of do you want to engage people to work on something that's in the best interest of our state or do you want to be in power and shove something down people's throats because it's your agenda? And this is looking a lot like the latter. Yeah. Actions speak pretty loudly on this. Let's, talking a little bit about this on an individual level, I was in the San Francisco airport last month. And I was sitting there, you know, waiting for the bags to come uh, off the, um, you know, the baggage carrier or the baggage uh, claim. And there were a couple of guys that clearly looked like they had probably been trekking like Mount Everest or whatever. They had, you know, uh, they looked like they'd been out for a while. They had their backpacks, you know, fully, um, you know, fully packed. And I was looking, so I'm making an ass- assumptions that, that, you know, they may not be oil and gas lovers. Now, I could be wrong on that, but I was making that assumption. So let's say that that's the case. 
But then I was looking at all their equipment, their shoes, the clips for their uh, their backpacks. Uh, I just kind of looked at them from a petroleum standpoint, and I'm looking at all the petroleum products that went into them being able to go backpack wherever they had gone. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about, uh, you know, I like my little Patagonia uh, jacket that I wear in the winter, and that's from a petroleum product. Right, yeah. uh, my phone right here. You know, it's from a petroleum product. Uh, makeup, which normally I really need a lot of that at 6 o'clock in the morning, that comes from a petroleum product. Mm-hmm. I mean, petroleum products make our lives better. Everyday, hardworking people that we would have those opportunities. Your toothbrush. Your toothbrush, right. Um, and when we talk about wind and solar, you mentioned an all-above approach, and I think uh, that's a great idea. However, I don't like a lot of government subsidies. I like these things to be able to to work on the merit of, of free markets. Sure. But wind and solar is not pure. No. Uh, because you have to clean your those solar panels on a regular basis, so that's probably soap, water, some kind of chemicals to do that. Uh, these wind turbines, they don't, they don't work when the wind isn't blowing. Right. And the, uh, the ingredients that go into those, uh, many of it, uh, parts of it are rare earth materials, which are having to be mined in third world countries. And so this idea that wind and solar, non-renewables is totally pure, and that oil and gas is bad, that's an incorrect narrative. Yeah, I, it definitely is. I, I had a business associate who was really conflicted. Um, they were working in the oil and gas industry, leaned you know, more towards environmentalism. And it was a real internal struggle and an internal conflict for this individual. And we were able to talk through, you know, to, to get this person to really take a look at these other forms of energy and tell me which one of them has no negative impact. And they couldn't come up with one. But it was a really great exercise for them to put it in context, what they had heard all their life about oil and gas, what they had internalized about that message that probably didn't have a whole lot to do with reality, and that these alternatives are so much better. But until this person took the time to take a look at what those other alternatives were, how they come, up, come into being, um, what the impact of those are, it was it was really interesting to watch that transformation. And it wasn't a political conversation in any way. It was really just about, let's take a look at, you know, if you want to go all wind, well, what does that actually look like? If you want to go all solar, what does that actually look like? How do you have, what, what do you have to do to get solar energy? What do you have to do to get wind energy? Um, and I think that's part of what's missing in all this dialogue. You know, people are fed a narrative Um, on both sides, and most of the people don't bother to check the narrative in terms of the veracity of Mm -hmm. it, and that, again, is part of emotional intelligence. Um, I came across this interesting quote from Tony Benn, who is a British politician, and he said, I think there are two ways in which people are controlled. First of all, frighten people. Secondly, demoralize them. Well, you've got people on one side who are frightened about the impact of oil and gas, And now you have people on the other side who are being demoralized because someone wants to take away the way they earn their living. Wow. The way they take care of their family, the way that they support themselves. And so it's really fascinating to watch this play out. Well, what happens when you introduce uncertainty 
in the markets because you're mm-hmm. former trader, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, an assistant trader. An assistant mm-hmm. trader. Um, what happens when you introduce uncertainty in the market? You have all kinds of confusion. People don't step up to make decisions to invest. They pull back on their, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, you know, kind of close their arms up and they just wait. They're concerned. They're scared. Mm-hmm. And you see that play out in the markets. Right. Well, it's the same with people. Introduce uncertainty in your industry. You know, as a worker in the industry, whether you're a CEO or you're an engineer, um, if you're uncertain about what's going to happen in your future and it feels like the other shoe's about to drop, uh, stress levels go up, um, fear goes up, uh, that confusion, I, what do I do? Do I go look for another job right now? Do I kind of hang here and see what happens? Maybe they'll transfer me to another state. Um, I, 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 people forget what happened in the mid to late 80s mm-hmm. when oil and gas really went into the tank nationwide. Um, Denver... You could get corporate real estate for a song because there was so much open office space. Well, that's another industry that's going to be impacted when this bill gets passed. Because what incentive does oil and gas have to actually stay here? Boy, uh, you know, I see that really affecting the housing market. You know, and, and, you know, that's one of the most important assets that individuals have. Sure. Is their home. Back in the 80s, people were walking away from their home because they couldn't sell them, given the state of the economy in Colorado. And I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. I'm just trying to... It could to, be a reality, it, though. It could be. We, we just have no way of knowing. And unfortunately, once it happens, it's too late. You know, how do you roll this back? If you've... If you've told an entire industry, you're not welcome here, and we're going to make your life so difficult year after year after year, which is what we're seeing, they have to make a decision. Are the assets that they have here worth the fight, or are they going to pack up their marbles and go someplace else where they might actually be able to do what they're trying to do to support our economy in meaningful ways. Well, and responsible, efficient, and reliable energy is one of the things that has uh, pulled so many people up, you know, push up upward mobility up into the middle class. Because when you're able to turn on your lights and you have all these different tools that you have from petroleum products, then you can actually go out and create businesses, which you can hopefully, you know, make money and uh, take care of your family, which all that is a great ripple effect throughout an economy that, that is growing. So, Sue, emotional intelligence, I guess there's two things I'm looking at this now. Uh, there's this opportunity, you know, this idea that regular people can go out and create and, um, you know, prosper, which I think is a great idea. Or this other thing is, is demoralizing and demeaning mm-hmm. and destructive. Right. And that's what I see that a lot of this legislation is doing. And that's what it seems like 181. So we've got a few more minutes. Talk a little bit about the emotional intelligence around Senate Bill 181. Sure. So. Just to give people a general understanding, emotional intelligence is really um, the ability to identify and manage your own emotions and the emotions of others, um, just in a general definition. And what we see happening here, this in-your-face approach with bills like this makes people angry, Um, particularly after we, as a voting block in Colorado, voted this type of thing down just in November 
we we said no we don't want this in our state um, so the way they're going about this is really a lack of empathy, demonstrating any kind of an empathy for the impact that it's going to have on people. And empathy is a key emotional intelligence competency. Whether you're a leader, you're an individual contributor, it's, it's critical in relationships. And it's really the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to imagine what it would be like to be in their position or in their mm-hmm in their life, um, it, it creates a level of understanding, a relatability, if you will. And so the way this bill has been done and the way that it's moving forward through the legislative process keeps indicating we don't care about how you feel. You voted against it. We don't care. We're going to do this because we want to do it too bad. And that, where do you go? with that other than getting angry which is not helpful for emotional intelligence mm-hmm. um feeling demoralized um or being afraid it's all these negative emotions that get brought up in people and we're generally not at our best <clears throat> when we're having to fight and deal with negative emotions that keep piling on because there doesn't seem to be any positive solution coming but you know what you work in solutions sue Kenfield. so how can people reach you um, they can reach me at uh, suekenfield.com, my website, um, and my phone number is 303-791-2807. Um, I'd be happy to talk with them about uh, ways that I can help transfer, transform their leaders uh, and their individual contributors so that emotional intelligence isn't getting in the way of success. Okay, and that's suekenfield.com. Yes, ma'am.